are some cases of lucid dreams in which people describe ostensible extrasensory perception. That is to say, they seem to become aware of events at a distance of which they could not have had any normal knowledge. These accounts are anecdotal. Nevertheless, reports of this kind are persistent, both in relation to lucid dreams and to out-of-the-body experiences. The following account by Oliver Fox describes an experience which, if it is to be taken at face value, involves a false awakening on the part of the narrator and either a lucid dream or more probably an out-of-the-body experience on the part of his girlfriend, whom he called Elsie. Elsie viewed my experimenting with extreme disfavour. It was wicked, she felt, and God would be seriously angry with me if I persisted. Anyhow, she didn't like it, and that was that. And I, with all the painful seriousness of youth, explained to her that she was a narrow-minded little ignoramus and didn't know what she was talking about. Did she even know the meaning of astral projection? Yes, said Elsie with great emphasis, I do. I know more than you think. I could come to you tonight if I wanted to. I laughed rudely and immoderately. She knew no more of occultism, theoretical or practical, than I of needlework. Elsie, small blame to her, lost her temper. Very well, she exclaimed. I'll prove it. It's wicked, but I don't care. I'll come to your room tonight, and you shall see me there. All right, I replied, not in the least impressed. Come if you can. Then we ended our quarrel, and presently I walked home, over a mile from Elsie's. I straight away forgot her in reading for my exams. I went to bed late and very tired. Her boast had seemed so childish, I never gave it another thought. Sometime in the night, while it was still dark, I woke, but it was a false awakening. I could hear the clock ticking and dimly see the objects in the room. I lay on the side of my double bed with tingling nerves. Something was going to happen, but what? Even then, I didn't think about it. Suddenly, there appeared a large, egg-shaped cloud of intensely brilliant bluish-white light. In the middle was Elsie, her hair loose and in her nightdress. She seemed perfectly solid as she stood by a chest of drawers near the right side of my bed. Thus she remained, regarding me with calm but sorrowful eyes, and running her fingers along the top and front side of a desk which stood on the drawers. She didn't speak. For what seemed to be some seconds, I couldn't move or utter a word. Again. I felt a strange paralysis which I've previously noted. Wonder and admiration filled me, but I wasn't afraid of her. At last, I broke the spell. Rising on one elbow, I called her name, and she vanished as suddenly as she'd come. It certainly seemed to me I was awake now. I must note the time, I thought, but an irresistible drowsiness had overwhelmed me. I fell back and slept dreamlessly until morning. The following evening, we met and I found Elsie very excited and triumphant. I did come to you, she greeted me, I really did. 
I went to sleep willing that I would, and all at once I was there. This morning I knew just how everything was in your room, but I've been forgetting all day. It's been slipping away. Oh, that unscientific mind of hers. Why didn't she make notes? Well, despite her impatience, I wouldn't say a word about what I'd seen until she told me all she could remember. So although this experience can never be absolutely convincing to her or anyone else, it is at least to me. She described the following. The relative positions of the door, bed, window, fireplace, washstand, chest of drawers and dressing table. That the window had a number of small panes instead of the usual large ones. That I was lying, eyes open, on the left side of a double bed. I'd never told her it was double. I'd seen days. An old-fashioned pincushion, an unusual object in a man's room. A black Japanese box covered with red raised figures. A leather-covered desk lined with gilt. Sunk plate on top for the handle to fall back into, standing on the chest of drawers. She described how she was running her fingers along a projecting ridge on the front of the desk. You're wrong in just one thing, I said later. What you took for a ridge was a gilt line on the leather. There's no projecting ridge anywhere. Oh, there is, said Elsie positively. I tell you, I felt it. But my dear girl, I protested, don't you think I know my own desk? I don't care, she said. When you go home, look at it, and you'll find a gilt ridge on the front side. I took her advice. The desk was placed front to the 